0: Well, good morning. It's an always an honor. It's always a uh, privilege and an honor to just stand and uh, communicate about the one who took my breath away when I was 17, and um, uh, it's always also an honor to be on this campus. Uh, there is a deep well, a deep well of renewal and revival that exists here at North Central. I'm thankful for spiritual fathers and spiritual mothers who invested tedious amounts of time and paid an Significant sacrifice to dig that well. And I believe that in God's sovereignty in this new season, that truly we will see God water the earth um, with um, graduates and attendees of North Central University uh, with the water that only comes from the fountain that wells up deep within us. Uh, His name is the Holy Spirit. Um, What I want to do today is just talk to you from my experience. The last three years, I've devoted a lot of time to just studying Psalm 23. And um, it has absolutely changed my life. And last summer, I had uh, something take place in my life that dramatically impacted how I view God. And so, uh, last summer, um, I was speaking somewhere, and I saw the Lord heal someone who was born deaf. She had never heard sound before, and obviously, I want to be clear, Job is right. God performs wonders that cannot be fathomed, and miracles that cannot be counted. And though, you know, literally, I've seen God heal thousands of people, and I know you have seen God do uh, perform similar miracles, it's important that we never talk about the miracles of God as if they're just something to be taken for granted of. Uh, I saw the Lord heal a girl who was born deaf, and during a church service when she began to scream, I'm sure some religious people believed that she was being too excited. I agree with Richard Rohr, who said that religion is often the safest place to hide from God. And I also believe from Eugene Peterson, who said that the devil does some of his greatest work behind stained glass. But what we do know is that in that moment when she became excited and she began to become a bit exuberant, the reason why is she never heard sound before. And just imagine how excited an individual is when they hear music for the first time. I saw the Lord heal that girl who was born deaf, and literally a week later, I find myself in the hospital room with Allie, who I've been married to for almost 21 years. Um, she's truly my best friend in life, and not only my lover, but my best friend. And I'm in the hospital room with her, and I was told by the doctors she had a 48-hour window to live. And I had my Bible open to Psalm 23. I'm in the hospital room. Our kids were not with us. They were with their nana. And um, I'm just having a conversation with God, and if I could just be real, the conversation went something like this, God, if you can heal the deaf girl, why, as I pray and fast, is my wife not being miraculously healed right now? Anybody ever had a conversation like that with God? And though I had Psalm 23 memorized, I just found myself needing to read the words on paper. So I read Psalm 23 over and over and over again. And I finally discovered the answer to a question I asked when I was 17, that what if the Valley of the Shadow of Death and the Green Pasture are actually the same place? And I would suggest to you they are. And for just a few moments today, I would like to talk to you just from my experience with the Lord in Psalm 23 and in that little hospital room in Springfield, Missouri, just a year ago. Um, Before I forget, and I have to make sure I do this, on the chair in front of you is a little card. Um, If you're interested, today, actually, my book launches. I'm thankful for Baker Books, and so it's launching today, and it's my first trade book. And um, if you're interested, um, check it out. But also, um, by the end of this message, if you would like to partner with us and feed a child for 10 bucks, if I could be candid, for those of us who have been to a lot of music festivals, we experience compassion fatigue, where at some point somebody gets up and guilts us into feeding a hungry kid. I'm not interested in doing that. I want to be clear, for $10 a month, you can feed a child. in our program through Convoy of Hope with something called Feed One. We will not send you the picture of the child. I'm not casting aspersions. I'm not saying that's negative. We just don't do that because it costs a lucrative amount of money for us to guarantee that the picture we send you actually is where your money goes. So we would just rather feed kids rather than, um, uh, I need to be careful how I say this, but rather than introduce you to a warped version of Christian entertainment. So we will not send you a picture. And again, I'm not casting aspersions against programs or charities. I'm thankful for the work they do. But we have a different approach. You will probably never meet the child you feed. Uh, you'll probably never have their photograph. But what we can guarantee you is a Convoy of Hope, a charity who for 15 straight years is one of 1% of charities in the world who's received the world's top charity uh, rating. We have integrity, we have impeccable character, and we will steward your $10 as well. If you're interested in feeding a kid and going with me to India and Sri Lanka in Nicaragua and the other places I've been in the last six months, so that we can change a child's life forever and end the cycle of physical and spiritual poverty, as a gift, we'll give you a copy of the book. So on the screen behind me, just go to that link. It'll take you 60 seconds. It's not a promise. You can cancel it at any time. But if you would be willing to take a step of faith and say, between now and the end of my, my year in May of 2019, I will believe God for 120 total dollars to feed a child. And if you're willing to do that, take 60 seconds, fill out the link, and we'll give you a copy of Grace in the Valley uh, before you uh, walk out of the atrium today. And if you're not interested in doing that, no harm, no foul. I'm not selling them today. You can get it on Amazon. It's cheaper there. David said in Psalm 23, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures, and he leads me beside still waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake, and even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I'm going to talk to you for 10 minutes, then the worship team is going to come. I only have one concept I'm going to share. I do not have an outline. I do not have points. I'm going to talk for 10 minutes. I want to give you an opportunity to dare to sit at the table that the Sovereign One has prepared for you before we step out of chapel today. We know that David was the young shepherd boy handpicked by God to be king over Israel. After he's chosen by God, rather than moving into the king's palace, he ends up running for his life because a demonized king named Saul, how do we know he's demonized, 1 Samuel 16, 14? The Holy Spirit departed from Saul and an evil spirit from the Lord tormented him. He was demonized. There are very few things as dangerous as an insecure leader. And the insecure leader named Saul issued an edict to have David hunted down like chattel and killed. David, the one handpicked by God to be king rather than living in the king's palace, he finds himself around the time of 1 Samuel chapter 22, if you want to put a finger uh, on the historical narrative. David finds himself in what the Hebrews call the Hereth Forest, where he is starving to death. It's not that he hasn't eaten in three days. It's not that he is cold. David is literally in the forest of Hereth, alone, isolated, surrounded by people who want to kill him. He has a promise from God, and yet his promise does not line up with the situation. What do you do when your situation does not line up with what you know to be true about God? I would suggest to you what I learned last year in the hospital room, that we choose to trust God even if our situation gives us a reason not to. And David finds himself in that moment where he has every reason to doubt the character and the authenticity of God, but in that moment, that's when he did not speak Psalm 23. He would have recited or even more than likely sung the psalm. And David starts out the psalm singing, not that the Lord is my king. Not that the Lord is my mighty warrior. Not that the Lord is the great deliverer and avenger of my enemies. David harkens back to that time when it was just he and God under the stars in the sky when David was a mere shepherd boy. One of the greatest gifts I can give you is the simplicity of your faith that you will refuse to allow a situation or circumstance to sabotage or abort the simplicity that is found alone in the eyes of God. For as you gaze into the eyes of God in a time of prayer and worship, it is there and only there, I would suggest, where you discover a true reflection of who you really are. He sings, not that the Lord is my king, not that the Lord is my mighty warrior, but the Lord is my shepherd. And the one who is starving to death says, I shall not want. David knew intuitively that God makes us lie down in green pastures and we are to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. We also know from experience that oftentimes you and I, we walk through the green pasture and unfortunately we lie down in the valley. He makes me lie down in green pastures, and he leads me beside still waters. Still waters, just like in Mark chapter 4, when Jesus tells the disciples to get into the boat on the north side of the Sea of Galilee, and a storm breaks. Remember, not all storms come from the evil one. And a storm breaks, and it blows the boat 13 miles off course, and in the midst of a storm, when everybody is convinced they're going to die, Jesus is sleeping. I can just imagine the disciples waking Jesus, asking, how in the world can you sleep in the midst of a storm? And I can just imagine Jesus getting up and looking out on the tumultuous waves with them and saying, why are you so afraid? Don't you see the water is always still? He leads me beside still waters, and he restores our soul. By the time you wander out of the green pasture, you come into a place called the valley of the shadow of death, but it's only a shadow. And it's there in the valley, not the green pasture, where the sovereign one prepares a table. And if you look close enough, there are only two seats at that table, aren't there? There's one seat for the sovereign one who stands there. And if you look at the table, he's placed all your favorite things there, hasn't he? He knows exactly what you like. And he has prepared a feast, not in the green pasture, but in the valley of the shadow of death. And there's a seat there for God, and God has been waiting for you. But there's also another seat, isn't there? And I would suggest to you that seat is not for the enemy, even though when God throws a party, He always invites our enemies. That seat is for you. And in the midst of the valley of the shadow of death, when you and God can sit down at the king's table and take your eyes off the enemy and feast, because after all, the feast is in His presence, the evil one has to stand there and watch as you and God gaze into one another's eyes and feast and celebrate. It's important that we remember In the Old Testament, when they honored God and they remembered the testimony of Jesus, they did not just celebrate those seasons and those moments alone with fasting. They celebrated those seasons and moments also with feasting. There are some things that feasting accomplishes just as much as fasting. And I'm passionate about fasting, but I also think it's important to feast. It is there, sitting at the table of the Lord, where we feast in the presence of our enemy. And at Convoy of Hope, I've learned there are some enemies, enemies like poverty, enemies like malnutrition, and enemies like gender inequality. I don't know about you, but compassion, it's important that we understand that compassion is not the Christian version of love because compassion was God's idea to begin with. And if we preach a gospel apart from justice and compassion, we preach a gospel Jesus never preached. But if all we do is focus on justice and compassion, people can have a better brand of eternal misery. There are three sides to the coin. There are three sides to a coin. On one side, there's justice and compassion. On the other side, there's the gospel. And on that third side, that small, thin ring around the edge of the coin, that third side, that's where you and I exist, the Church of Jesus Christ. And the greatest organization on the planet is not a sports team. It is not an NGO. It is not a government. It is not the United Nations. It is a community of people who dare to sit down at the table of the king, regardless of how steep and dark and long the valley is. And it is there where we feed. And in the valley of the shadow of death, you'll discover something significant that only a shepherd at the time of David could have fully understood, that what we often consider to be a spiritual attack is often an invitation by God to feast. It says, you anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. And here is the custom, and some of you have heard me describe this before, The custom was this, two shepherds would meet one another. They were both male shepherds because at that time, unfortunately, it was a male-dominated society. And the two male shepherds gazed into one another's eyes as they stood in a valley as the sun would begin to set over the great Sinai Peninsula. And without saying a word, you, being a male shepherd, um, handed me a canister of oil the canister was often made out of a variety of different materials. And the canister of oil, you handed it to me, and I would anoint my head with oil. The oil had two purposes. Number one, the oil had a medicinal purpose. It killed head lice. Secondly, the oil had an aromatic purpose. We've been wandering around the desert. We are nomadic people. We are shepherds. We have not bathed in a few days. There is no Axe body spray. There is no aqua de jo, and we have horrific body odor. And so I anoint my head with oil and it not only kills head lice, it has an aromatic purpose and it makes me smell good. And without saying a word, I turned around and I anointed the heads of all of my family members with oil as well. And then we walked into your tent and we sat down and reclined on one side and ate with one hand and we shared a meal that typically consisted of flatbread, dates, raisin cakes, depending upon the seasonality, curds and honey, and a few other things. Maybe a few times a year, some goat meat. And at the end of the meal, without saying a word, here was your custom. You, being the male shepherd, walked up to me, and I hold out my cup, and you took the wineskin, and if you filled my cup up halfway, it was your way of saying, you know what? The conversation's been an amazing, Heath, but you really need to go on your way. But if you filled my cup up to the top, the custom, without saying a word, was this. We've enjoyed the conversation so much. Why don't you spend the night with us? And at the end of the meal, the two male shepherds would take their rod and their staff, sometimes two instruments, sometimes one instrument alone. They sat around the campfire, and they remembered the deeds of the Lord. And they shared the testimonies of God that at times, scholars tell us, shepherds would carve into their rod and their staff. Now we understand why Moses stretched his staff. Moses, a shepherd, stretched his staff in front of him, believing that God would part the water. Now we understand why Scripture says the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. For if God did it before, we believe he can do it again, right? It's more than just a song by Elevation Church. It's actually in the Bible. But God does not fill up our cup halfway. And God does not fill up our cup to the top. The Bible says, you anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. And now we understand why David, the shepherd boy, who's been handpicked by God to be king, who is running for his life, who has every reason to doubt the goodness of God because of his situation, has the audacity and the courage to say, surely, goodness and mercy will follow me. Literally in Hebrew, pursue me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of Not in the king's castle, not in the palace, but I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I'm going to invite you to stand your feet. Whether you really realize it or not today, a table has been prepared for you. How do we know if we're in the green pasture or the valley of the shadow of death? I suggest to you they are the same place. And if we fix our eyes on the enemy, we will always believe we are in the valley of the shadow. But if we turn our back on the enemy, because after all, he is not even worthy of our attention, let alone affection, and we dare to sit down at the king's table, we will discover the dead, barren ground underneath our feet begins to bloom, because the valley of the shadow of death and the green pasture are the same place, and God has prepared a table for you. And we've intentionally allowed plenty of time at the end of this chapel where I'm going to put the microphone down. I'm not going to tell a sappy story. I'm going to put the microphone down after I pray, and I believe, along with the rest of you, that the sovereign one can crack heaven open, and that God can anoint your head with oil, and that today your cup can overflow. Because what the world needs, what the world needs is not a a Christian-branded leader, What the world needs is a reservoir of heaven who steps into the realm of business and education and media and even the church and the faith-based world and literature and the list goes on and on and
1: on, and you would dare to step into a valley of the shadow of death, and simply by being there, you watch it bloom. God wants to anoint your head with oil and your cup overflow. So I challenge you today, do not use your enemy, the enemy of shame, the enemy of poverty, the enemy of depression, the enemy of regret, the enemy of, of you fill in the blank. Do not use your enemy as an excuse to stand in the presence of God where he has prepared a table just for you. And there's a spot with your name on it. And don't you dare allow the enemy to talk you out of your rightful place as a son and as a daughter of the king. I want to pray over you, and then we're going to worship. God, I pray that today, in the next five minutes, you will continue something that will reverberate and echo for the next 50 years in our life, that we will find ourselves lovesick for you, that we will find ourselves desperate for you, that we will no longer ever, ever, ever talk about you like you're not in the room. And then we will not have a Christian branded life, but then we will be apprehended, literally possessed by the one who prepares a table, not in the green pasture, but in the valley. I declare that the grace of God will fill every valley in this room to the glory of God until the end should come. In Jesus' name, let's worship together.